Praise God. Well, I'm so happy to be with you this morning and to be a part of the Ascension Church. We love Pastor Omri and Pastor Richard and the great work that's happening in uh, Pierrefond in Montreal. Hey folks, uh, we've had a great year. It's been challenging, as you know. We all know it's been challenging. Back on March 15th, uh, when everything kind of ground to the halt here in Ontario, uh, my pastor uh, decided that he was going to, by faith, release all the missions money for the whole year from his, uh, his finances. That was a great deal, church of 700 people. So it's about $150,000, about 22 missionaries involved in that. I was a small part of that, but we're so thankful. But I didn't know, but when he did that, it inspired me to stand strong and believe God that all my missionaries and all my employees would uh, still be on the payroll. I wouldn't have to lay off anybody, wouldn't have to bring any Canadian missionaries home. So it looks like we got about 60 employees working for us now around the world and then a few in Canada as well. And uh, thank God we haven't had to uh, release anybody over this year. God's been good to us, hallelujah. Well, let me tell you the outcome of that church. That church, their missions money came back within just a couple of weeks. And then all year long, the pastor's been telling me that they're up 20%. And in the midst of it, they had to do a roof on their church, $340,000. Now remember, it's a bigger church, but in the midst of it, all that money came in cash so they didn't have to take out another mortgage. I thank God that God is faithful even in the midst of this pandemic and God will bring us through, hallelujah. Well, this year has been a great year. We've expanded many areas over in the Philippines now. Russ and Krishna are working in Cebu. They're rescuing uh, families from the dump and relocating them. They're also running a small school and a church. And then they also have invited as a mentoring program young teenagers into their home for weeks at a time to teach them about uh, ethics, to teach them about cleanliness, to teach them about computers, and most of all, to teach them on the word of God with the goal that these kids will go back and teach their younger kids uh, the same things. And so I think that's a great worthy program. During the uh, COVID, the early parts of COVID, we sent food over to them to help feed the hungry. You know, in the Philippines, the kids had to stay in their huts for three months at a time. They were only allowed to come out to urinate. If they were out there playing, they'd get beaten by a stick. And uh, it was a horrible event for that, them in uh, the Philippines. But thank God they're coming through the other side, amen. Over in Uganda, we haven't stopped our work. We just spread it out a little bit. Instead of having bigger groups of you know 30 and 40 in some classes, we reduced the classes, then it doubled the classes so that we could do what we have great programs going on, Operation Rescue, where we're taking ladies from off the street instead of, instead of them selling their bodies for uh, 60 cents. We got them now sewing, we have 10 sewing machines, we got them baking, we got them learning how to make shoes, we got them uh, learning how to do hairstyling, all with the goal of placing them in their own job so that they won't have to go back to that horrible lifestyle. We're also in the uh, Young Offenders Prison. They had no program in that prison all week long. And so we're in there taking care of programming for the whole week without, you know, totally without pay, but going in there, teaching them English as a second language, teaching them the gospel, uh, uh, counseling each uh, individual, also teaching them a small agent report pair, teaching them how to uh, uh, do guinea fowl farm that my, my son started, also helping them to uh, learn how to uh, do uh, make shoes 
and some, some great programs going on that program. Then our Bible school, Operation Barnabas, where we still have 360 students. We didn't have to close that down because remember, our Bible school is remote. That means we minister to the pastors in the area they're at. And so we have 11 campuses with 360 students. And so we uh, go out to them by motorcycles and out to help them, teach them a lesson, go over their tests, and then show them their new work. And we do that every week, uh, all week long into the various different areas. I got three guys working for Operation Barnabas now, Bishop Sunday and, and, and my good uh, director, uh, Peter, and then also uh, a young man named Ben. And they're going up by motorbike to do that. We just sent some money to buy one motorbike. We believe in God for another one. And that's a great thing happening. So that's going on and we're excited about that. Our crusades have had to slow down this year, but I'm so thankful. Uh, during the last two years, God's helped me and my son to raise up uh, 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 an evangelist that is doing a great job, gets the job done about 80% as good as I could. Um, and I think the only 20% is just the, that my skin gathers a crowd. But uh, we're so grateful for what God's been doing there. And so he's ready to go. Before COVID, he was averaging between 10 and 30,000 souls a month. And he full-time is working for us. We engage with us using our equipment. And he's just out there doing evangelism. As soon as COVID lifts, we'll be out there doing it, but he will too. And so we're multiplying our efforts and I'm really giving God the praise. Things are going well. Uh, we're excited. Praise God. Then over in the in Pakistan, this is the most amazing thing. Last time I was there in Pakistan, uh, I got to the immigration and they said to us, uh, some, Mr. Davies, some soldiers and police want to talk to you. Well, I thought I was going to be arrested again. And uh, but <laughs> praise God, when I got to them, they were there. They said the government has uh, sent them to be our guides and to be our protection for all the time that we're there. So we were out there doing pastor's conferences. We were out there doing uh, uh, ministering in villages. You know, there'd be three or four Christians. And then my workers would go ahead and they'd set up tents and, and uh, tents on the floor, tents on the side, tents, they're, they're rugs, big, gigantic, beautiful rugs. And into those crowds would come two, three, four, five, six hundred people and most of them Muslims, and they'd come. And when I gave an invitation, they'd all receive Jesus. Just phenomenal. So we're so grateful for the work that God's doing over there. Uh, and so can you imagine this? We're doing water baptisms. We're doing all kinds of ministry. And everywhere we go, the Islamic Republic of Pakistan is paying for soldiers to escort us with sirens and to get through the traffic. That's great. That was, that was worth it just for that but to get through the traffic and then to guard us and protect us while we're baptizing, while we're preaching, while we're praying, while we're counseling, while we're ministering to the pastors and leaders. And everywhere we went, the Islamic Republic of Pakistan is paying for soldiers to protect us while we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? So that's exciting. And I just thank God for the open door of Fayezabad, uh, Pakistan. We just now have our NGO status we are right now in the construction of our first church and our offices for Global Harvest Ministries, and we're excited about that. While I was there in Pakistan, uh, my director took us to a factory, a brick factory. I said, you know, why? You know, Ayub is his name, means Jack Jacob. Uh, Ayub, why have you uh, brought me to a brick factory? I kind of have an idea how bricks are made. 
But when I got there, I realized that these workers there were all slaves, moms, dads, teenagers, children, two, three, four-year-old kids being uh, obligated to flip bricks and to work in the brick factory. Broke my heart. And I started to ask God, why have you brought me here? What's my assignment? And I could take all the money from all our programs worldwide and take all the money and put it into releasing those slaves. But you know, the next day, that brick maker would go down to the financial institutions and he would, uh, he would just pay some more debt off. And next thing you know, he'd have a whole bunch more slaves working for him. The factory would not stop. And then on the other side, if you released them, you'd have to pay for them to work. I pay for them to, to live, help them to get an education so they could work. And so it would have been a mammoth task. And I didn't feel that God was necessarily directing us to do that. You know, you gotta stay in your lane and do what God's called you to do. One of the greatest things we do is preaching the gospel. We've seen 2.9 million people come to Christ in the last 20 years, and we're gonna keep on doing that. But what the Lord told me to do is to send our workers down there once a week. It's an hour and a half away from our offices. And so they go down there once a week. After about a month, I had a call back from them and said, uh, Evangelist Mark, we can't go once a week. And I said, oh, can you please go, you know, at least three times a month or two times a month at, at, at the minimum. They said, no, we can't go once a week. We have to go twice a week. And so they're ministering. Christmas last year, we bought them coats uh, to, to, to warm their bodies. You know, Pakistan gets very cold. And I witnessed some of that. I was very cold uh, when I was there last time. But uh, we bought them coats for Christmas and we're loving them. We're feeding them. And once a week, we did do a lot of feeding programs during the early months, uh, March, April, May, June, July, and August of this year, as we fed many, many people. Um, COVID has had a very uh, difficult effect on, on those that are poor and those that couldn't work, they have no place to turn. There's no government assistance. And so it's been very, very difficult, but praise God, God used us and you uh, and this church that I'm preaching to right now. You've been such a blessing to us. We're so amazed. And so uh, I met a third, a second generation mom. Her mom and dad were caught into slavery. She was born into slavery and now she had six kids. And I was planning to show you the video when I came Next time I come, I'll show you. But here she is working with her six kids on the brick factory. And uh, my heart just went out to them. Uh, and so the Lord spoke to me to build a church. We've already got land adjacent to the brick factory. It's already cleared and ready to go. And we already have the bricks being given to us. And so we're excited that as soon as I could get over there, and we know that everything, the foundation is laid and everything's proper legally, then we will immediately start to uh, lay foundations for that church. We think it will take about two or three months to construct. And so pray with us. That church is not gonna just be a place of worship on Fridays, that's the day they worship, but it will also be a school for kids. And their moms and dads have agreed to work an extra two hours so their kids could get training uh, and learn English and learn how to read and write. I think that's a noble program that we're involved in. Would you pray for us? Thank you for your continued support in this ministry. We really are becoming a global missions organization. We have Canadian missionaries right now, one in Uganda, two in Thailand, and two in the Philippines, and then all our workers. So praise God. Thank you so much for your love. And I wanna just get into the word right now 
Thank you, Pastor Omri. Thank you, Pastor Richard. Thank you, Ascension Church. We are so blessed that you've been a part, a big part of what God's been doing through us. You, we are your hands extended. And I just wanna thank you so much every time you give. It just get, it blesses our heart. And I know that our harvest is your harvest. Praise God. I wanna get into the word right now. Genesis chapter 24, uh, sorry, Genesis 4, verse 25. And it says here in the, the scripture, I'm reading from the King James first. It says, and Adam knew his wife again. Uh, that's the King James. In the message it says that Adam slept with his wife again. That's the message. Another translation says that Adam, Adam and Eve tried again and they had a son and called him Seth. Another translation says this, and Adam had sexual relationships with his wife again. And she gave birth to a son and named him Seth saying, God has granted me another son in the place of Abel whom Cain had killed. Now I want you to know this is not a marriage seminar. It's not an intimacy seminar, but I wanna to talk to you about faith. You know what faith does? When it seems like faith has not come to pass or the things that we're believing have not come to pass, what we do is we try again. So I'm using this as a scripture. We need to try again. And I believe that there's a time that churches and people and Christians need to get up and start moving forward. It's right now. I'm here to tell you the message, title of this message, the title of this message is Try Again. Well, you know, the, uh, the, the context of this, Adam and Eve uh, were placed in the Garden of Eden. You don't, we don't know how old the earth was really. Uh, it could have been created uh, tens of thousands of years ago, millions of years ago by God and then destroyed by the devil because the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens, the earth, comma, and the earth was without form and void. So what did you know that God ever made that didn't have, that, that, that was without form or void? Well, uh, nothing. But no matter which your understanding, whether you believe the world is just six or 8,000 years old, literally, or you believe it's millions of years old, we do, and that's not an issue. I wouldn't argue over that. But the issue is that we all believe that Adam and Eve were the first man and woman to walk on the earth. And God created man and God placed man in the garden and he took Adam, uh, took Eve uh, out from the rib or the side, a uh, part of Adam became Eve. And he looked, uh, you know, God looked at man, he said, uh, man. And when Adam looked at Eve, he goes, whoa, man. I mean, he looked at her and said, wow, she's beautiful. And he just got excited, praise God. Well, God told them to take dominion and to subdue the earth. So that means that the earth needed to be subdued and there was some things they had to overcome. And God gave them an assignment. He gave them a purpose for living and a purpose for doing the work, uh, doing being there, not just to suck wind and drink Tim Horton's coffee. I don't think it was Tim Horton's coffee there, but drink whatever they drank. Uh, you know, they weren't just there to eat food and you know sleep and breathe, but they had a purpose. And, uh, thing to do. God and Adam and Eve, they walked together in the cool of the garden and they had a great time. We don't know how long they walked together. Could have been a day, a week, a month, a year. Could have been 10 years for all we know. But at some point, Adam and Eve succumbed to temptation and they ate of the tree uh, of the knowledge of good and evil and they became empty inside or they became condemned or they became confused or convicted because immediately 
something had changed in their life. They went and hid. And that's really the story of religion all down through the years. That when man has made a mistake, man tries to hide their sins. But thank God the Bible says in Proverbs, if you have been caught in a fault or if the Holy Spirit puts a finger on something in your life, what are we supposed to do? Don't cover it. Go to somebody. Uh, ask Jesus to forgive you. Then go to somebody and get into a position of accountability where somebody can remind you who you are, what you're called to do, and what God has placed in your life and can help you and, and uh, exhort you to go forward and keep you accountable. That's God's principle. You don't tell him the whole church. Just find somebody you can trust. Maybe it's a pastor, deacon, elder, whatever, but find somebody you can trust and get into a position of accountability. Well, Adam and Eve went and hid. God comes down and says, Adam, where are you? Well, he wasn't asking because he didn't know where Adam was. He was asking so that Adam could locate himself. And so what happened was Adam goes, we're hiding. And it helped Adam to realize that, that things were not the same way as they were before because their sin had caused a shadow on their life and caused darkness and difficulty for them. God in his mercy comes down and he provides a type and shadow of the uh, redemption plan that Jesus Christ would provide for us a spotless lamb without sin, without blemish, praise God. And so God slays an animal, puts a covering on Adam and Eve. And then we know that in the New Testament, we're not just covered for our sins, but we are forgiven our sins, hallelujah. We're cleansed and purified and given a new life and a new, uh, a new possibility, new hope, not only to have that sin nature taken out of us, well, the Christ Jesus lives inside of us, praise God. But at, they come, God comes down, he slays an animal, puts a covering over them, and Adam and Eve are starting to be restored now. Now they're still in relationship with God. God's restoring them. They're getting better, hallelujah. They remember the call of God on their life that they were supposed to go forth and they were to produce, uh, uh, they were take, to take dominion and they were to go forward and they were to, to uh, do great things for God. And so they just get, you know, get rolling again. They're, they're being restored and they're starting to move forward and the, the church is starting to gain ground and the offerings are coming in. And all of a sudden in the midst of God gives them a blessing. He gives them two sons, Cain and Abel. Now they got four people. Now the church is really growing and finances are coming in. Everything's going well and God is blessing and they're excited. They're taking dominion. They're going forward. But in the midst of it, calamity comes. It's like Adam and Eve had the breath knocked out of them. The Bible says Abel died. He, he was killed by Cain. And I looked up the word Abel. It means breath to breathe. It means breath. So literally, Adam and Eve had the breath knocked out of them. I don't know what's happened in your life, but I know there's times in our life when we feel like we had the breath knocked out of us. Maybe it was a divorce you went through. Maybe it's a, a financial setback. Maybe you've had to dip into your savings during COVID, or maybe you've lost your job, or maybe just the effects of COVID have caused you to lose your breath. I mean, the toilet paper runs out. Come on now. I mean, we have the breath knocked out of us. If you had told us in, in March 7th that a week later, we're not going to be able to worship in church because of this pandemic called uh, COVID, we would have said, you're crazy. But all of a sudden, 
Uh, our lives had the breath knocked out of us. I don't know what you, has happened to you to have your breath knocked out of you, but I know that every person I'm talking to from time to time has their breath knocked out of them. Even in ministry, I've woken up some mornings and just said, oh God, what did I do to get myself in this mess? I feel like the breath has been knocked out of me. I don't know what you're going through, but there's hope. And I believe God's got a word for us today that when bad things come our way or when we have setbacks, we're supposed to get up and go forward. We're to try again. Well, I want to give you three points about what I think God is saying to the church right now. It's time, firstly, to believe again. You know, I may have been uh, scarred, but I'm not scared. Come on now. We're going to come through this the other side. Praise God. I'm not going to let COVID or any other time in my life uh, that I've gone through define me. You can't let your sickness define you. You can't let that financial setback define you. You can't lose, let losing your job define you. That's not who you are. That may be what happened to you, but that's not all that you are. You know, when I went through the flesh eating virus, and I think most of you know, 1995, I lost a finger, but I went through the flesh eating virus, 11 other people died. Preacher loses his middle finger. That's something to think about right there. But at any rate, lost my middle finger. And uh, at the end, I was had a great interview. Uh, the, the interview from the TV, uh, you know, wanted to come and try to make God, make me big so they could make God small. First question to ask, why did God do this? Well, I said, I don't believe God did this. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. But I believe God brought me through. Hallelujah. That's my testimony. Well, a couple of days later, I was asked to go on 100 Huntley Street. And I know Reynolds and Ronnie and Lane and Ellen and I knew, uh, I know Norma Jean. And I knew David Maines, beautiful people, very genuine people, love them all. And I grew up with some of those kids. I'm good friends with Reynolds to this day. He's working in Uganda as well uh, as a cold labor admission field. But I want you to know that I felt a check in my spirit not to go on and, and on TV. You know why? Uh, not to go on that program. It's not that I didn't want to give God the glory for bringing me through. But I just didn't want to be known as the preacher with the gimpy hand. You know, you can get labeled like that all your life. The preacher with the gimpy hand, the preacher with the limp, the preacher with the, you know, the stutter, the preacher. I didn't want to be known as the preacher with the gimpy hand. Yeah, that's what happened to me. But that's not who I am. I want to be known for a, a preacher that has faith to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations, into areas that are tough. And I'm trying my best to be a uh, True to that vision, praise God. So I didn't want to be the preacher with the gimpy hand. You don't need to be called the, the one that went through that awful divorce, or you don't need to be labeled by losing your job. You don't need to be labeled by a sickness. Don't let COVID label you. Let God restore you and take you further. Yes, COVID is a part of our story. Yes, the flesh and virus is a part of my story, but I'm not gonna camp there and I'm not gonna uh, let that life label me. I've got a friend and he's now in Flin Flon, Manitoba. It's a town, the only town I know in Canada that's been named after a cartoon character, Flinius Flanagan. Well, uh, he broke his neck in two places. Uh, when he was driving, a moose hit him and landed in the back seat, broke his neck in two places, told he would never walk again. 
Uh, but praise God, after six months wearing that, that uh, halo and all the stuff that he had on, uh, he confessed and he believed. And with the help of Kenneth Copeland Ministries, uh, they prayed along with him. Other people prayed, I was praying for him. And he got up after six months and started walking around. He was restored. Well, praise God, he started going places. He was on Copeland Ministries and gave his testimony. He started going from place to place. And uh, in the midst of it, at some point, about six or eight months later, I felt encouraged to call him up and just said, Mikael, tell your testimony, but don't let your broken neck label you. That's not all that you are. Yes, that's part of your life, but that's not who you are. We must pick up and move on. Maybe you've had setbacks. Maybe you've been sick for a year and a half. Maybe you had uh, various trials in your life, but that's not who you are. That's just part of your story. We gotta go on further and higher. About two and a half months ago, I was traveling up north in Ontario and somewhere between, uh, I'm gonna say, uh, North Bay and, and New Lisker. Uh, uh, I had a open vision. Now, I don't get many open visions. It was an open vision. I was driving, so I had to keep my eyes open. But I had an open vision. I've had very few of them in my life, but I know when it's God. And I was taken in the spirit, in a sense, up to heaven, into a place where a big, ginormous warehouse, about 10 or 15 uh, times the size of a Costco. And I went into that place, and when I went in there, um, I saw on one side a place that was all lit up, half the, half the warehouse. Angels were rejoicing and they were, had pens and they were writing in books and they were flipping through the pages, writing and writing and there was all kinds of books. And I said, what is going on? And one of the angels came over and explained, it, Psalms 139 says that God is writing a book about you. And so I said, she said, the angel said to me, he, she said to me, the angel said to me, um, um, this are, these, are, these books represent people that are saved by grace and are using their faith right now and they're living by faith. Praise God. And I was reminded of that scripture from Romans. It said, uh, or not Romans, but Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, shall he find faith upon the earth? Is he gonna find anybody believing him for more than just a ticket to heaven? Are there gonna be people using their faith to still uh, pray for the sick? People using their faith to build the work of God. People still using their faith to move forward. People using their faith to expand and take ground and extend their, their tent pegs. And so I was excited, I said, praise God, but I went over to the other side of the warehouse. On the other side of the warehouse, the angels were not quite as happy. They were very pleasant though. It was a very dark area. And when I got over there, my eyesight could see, I could see book upon book upon book on bookshelf after bookshelf after bookshelf and dust on top of it. I said to the angels, I said, what are, are these books here? And the angel said, these are the books of Christians who have used their faith to get saved, but are not now living a lifestyle of faith. And the angel reminded me that the just live by faith. And I was a surprise, but it, it made sense to me. As I've traveled across Canada, I've realized that there are people, literally people, all over this nation of Canada that are Christians that have just sat down on their couch, crawled into a small corner of the house, and because of COVID have, have just listened to every word, the whole spirit of it. Yes, we have to obey the law, but listen to me, we don't have to have that stuff get into our heart. 
We don't have to be fearful. And I know there's lots of people I've met some pastors, they're still not awake. They fell asleep in March. They're still asleep right now. Praise God, God didn't call us to retreat. He didn't call us to go and uh, you know find a cave and crawl into a hole and get our ration food. He called us to advance. He called us to occupy. He called us to take ground. He called us, my favorite eschatology scripture is this, Acts chapter one, verse 11. Ye man of Galilee, why stand you gazing? This same Jesus shall come again in like man as you go. In other words, the angel said to the disciples, get busy, don't just gaze in the heavens. And I feel like some people, uh, Christians, have just got uh, lethargic and become lazy. They got their face, uh, you know, they're like stunned looking into the TV, looking into the computer screen and just worrying about everything to the point that they haven't been living by faith. Friends, I want you to know it's time to believe again. I'm afraid for some because I think some have already written their own obituary. They figured out how long they've lived as a Christian. They figured out how, you know, what's happened in their life since they've been a Christian, how far they've come. And they look at their age and think, well, maybe I got five more years, 10 more years, 20 more years, 30 years. And they start to just gauge their life and say, this is where I'm gonna be when I'm finished. But no, God promised you the latter house can be greater than the former. We're supposed to go from glory to glory to glory to glory, hallelujah, and from faith to faith. We're not supposed to fade out. We're supposed to get brighter and brighter. We're not supposed to hide our light under a bushel, but we're not to let our light shine. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Now you're light of the world. I heal the sick. Now you heal the sick. I preach the word. Now you preach the word. I do good works. Now you do good works. You say, well, it's pretty hard to do it when we're under all these restrictions. Yes, it made me more difficult but it still could be done. You have a phone, you have text messages, you can reach out to people and you can talk to people. This is a time when people are desperate for fellowship. What a great time for you to call them up and just minister to them. It's time to believe again. Now let me just get to the crux of this believing. Believing is what I bring into my heart and speaking is what I let out of my heart through my mouth. Believing and speaking, two things that you can control in the midst of a world that you can't, you can't control the weather, you can't control the climate, you can't control the politics, you can't control uh, how expensive the gas is, but you can control your believing in your, in your speaking. It's your heart, you choose what you can put into it. It's your mouth, you choose what can come, come, come out of it. The Bible says out of the treasures of good man's heart, uh, good things come and out of the treasure of a, a, a bad heart, a black heart, a dark heart, a bad things come, praise God. Well, I don't wanna be one with a bad heart spewing bad things, but I believe if I can hold and harness my believing, my speaking, then I can go forth and ultimately my believing and speaking are like a rudder that will steer my ship out of the storm. You know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, he said, uh, he said we, our light affliction works in us uh, more, far more exceedingly a weight of glory. What does that mean? That the things we're going through right now, if we'll hang on and keep standing strong, that they're gonna work a gl more glory, more vict victory in our lives. But then he goes on to say in verse 18, we're not supposed to be focused on the things that we see, but we're supposed to be focused on the things we can't see. For the things that we see are subject to change, but the things we can't see are eternal. What does that mean? We should not be all worried about what's going on right now. Yes, no, look at 
Yes, we have to know what's going on. Yes, we have to be informed. We have to know what's going on so we can vote. We, we, we're aware, but we're not obsessed. We're familiar, but we're not frightened. I know what the word, world says, but I'm not overly uh, weighting that into my life. I'm more concerned about the word says, hallelujah. And what the word said is more important than what the world says, hallelujah. I can't afford to let the world get into my heart. I have to keep the word in my heart, praise God. And so it goes on to say, Paul says, for we have the same spirit of faith. I believe, therefore I speak. We believe, therefore we speak. Friends, it's time for us to change our conversation. We're aware of what's going on, but we're not obsessed. We know what the world says about COVID, but we have a greater victory in our hearts. Greater is he that's within us than the spirit that's in the world, hallelujah. So. Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it, determine out of your heart, it will determine the parameters or the distance you will go. And then it goes on to say, take a fro froward, F-R-O-W-A-R-D, froward. I looked up that word froward. Take a froward, get, get rid of your froward mouth. Don't have a mouth that's froward, but have a mouth. You know what froward means? It means a mouth that is not under conviction, uh, correction or confidence of the Holy Spirit. Don't speak things that aren't on the conviction, confidence, or correction of the Holy Spirit, but put away a froward mouth. Hallelujah. Keep it far from thee. Hallelujah. And so speak words of faith and let into your heart words of victory and don't let this spirit of the age. You know, the, the Bible says, Romans, it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What that means is, one translation is, don't let the world squeeze you in to its mold. If ever there was a time right now where the world is trying to make us smaller, make us more insignificant, make us feel smaller, make us feel less, it's right now. You just go into your little corner, shut up. Christian, shut up, be quiet. And everybody, just go into your house. Don't come out of your house. And, and I know what the reason that they're trying to do it, but folks, even if we're sitting down because the government told us to sit down, we still as Christians have to be standing up in our heart and even though we're going through the motions following the laws, we still have to realize that we are not under this curse. We're under the blessings of God, hallelujah. We should have a better attitude than the rest of the world. We should be more happy than the rest of the world. We should have more joy than the rest of the world. It's time for us to believe again. I refuse to let this pandemic poison my potential, hallelujah. I refuse to let this distraction distance me from my destiny, praise God. I refuse to let this friction that I'm going through fracture my focus and my future, praise God. It's time to believe again. Secondly, it's time to, it's time to dream again. What does the word dream mean? It means to, to, to have an excitement, to, to have something to look forward to. You know, Adam and Eve, they were grieving. They're grieving over Abel. They're grieving over uh, Cain that went into exile. They've lost both their sons. It's a difficult time for them. They're grieving. Now, what is grieving? Grieving is looking back and honoring our past. What is dreaming? Dreaming is look at, looking ahead and honoring our future. It's all right to grieve. We grieve about so many things. I think one of the ultimate thing has to be when somebody dies. But we grieve about, we grieve about saying something wrong to somebody. 
We grieve about making mistakes. Maybe you've made a bad financial decision. You probably grieve over it. We grieve over a lot of things. We grieve over losing our job. We grieve over, you know, many people, we're all grieving over COVID. We don't like it. We're grieving. But don't grieve as those who have no hope. That's what God says. We're not like those who have no hope. We have the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't grieve. We do grieve. But we're not going to go grieve all by ourselves and get into a dark place. No, we're going to be around our brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. And if we can't get together in the house of the Lord, we're going to be on uh, Zoom and we're going to be together as much as we can uh, so that we can speak to one another and love one another, care for one another. And we don't grieve as those who have no hope. In other words, we got people around us who remind us who we are, what we are, where we're going, what God's called us to do. And that uh, future dream uh, the dream that we look forward to brings us out of the morning that we're in. Folks, I want to tell you, it's time to dream again. Dreaming is a way to look forward and honor your future. When you dream, you're saying, I believe God has a future for me. Now, I've talked to a lot of Christians. They say, well, I can't even think until COVID's over. Post-COVID. When is post-COVID? When will it come? I don't know, but I'm going to live through COVID, hallelujah. And I'm gonna keep on dreaming. You know, Young Cho says, dreaming is the language of the Holy Spirit. You believe that? Dreaming is the language of the Holy Spirit. You know, we have to dream again. Uh, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, dreams and visions are the language of the Holy Spirit. God will speak to us. God will show us uh, the way we're to go. God will uh, cause us to move forward and uh, he'll give us a future and a hope. You know, over in the book of, uh, Jeremiah 29, people quote the scripture all the time. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope and expect it in. Many Christians use that as their favorite scripture. And I think it's a great scripture, but you know, there's more verses in Jeremiah than just verse 11. Before verse 11, it says, stop listening to the uh, prophets and the voices, the diviners that you have made prophets in your own life. In other words, if we make the voices around us more important than God's voice, we set these people up as prophets. CNN is not my voice. I'm not going to, Fox is not my voice. C, the CTV is not my voice. I'm going to listen to the voice of the good shepherd. Hallelujah. And so stop listening to those voices. And before that, God says, it's a time in Jeremiah where people were go going and hiding because they said it's over now. We're never going to survive. We're, we're under darkness now. We're under a dark cloud. And in the midst of it, God says, go buy your houses, get married, have children, raise them up godly, teach them to, uh, to, 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 to be godly and, and, and help them to marry godly men and women and plant gardens and eat the fruit of it. Praise God, because I know the thoughts that I think towards you folks, it's time to dream again. If your life has totally been on hold, you need to get a life. You need to get back your life. It's time to dream again. And I'm so thankful God gave me a dream many, many years ago to take the gospel into North Africa and to preach the gospel and see people saved who have never heard the gospel. This August this year, I'm telling you, I got so antsy. I said, God, I am not happy just directing things. I want to go out there and see people's lives changed. Hallelujah. And God said, well, what's stopping you? Well, I said, COVID stopped me. And yeah, but there may be some things you can't do, but there's still things we can do. And so we can look at the things we can't do and just close up, crawl up, you know, get on the couch, eat Cheetos, you know, play with our remote control all day, watch TV. Or we can 
push through the cloud and find a way to touch people's lives. I'm gonna dream. I'm gonna keep on dreaming. I'm gonna keep on moving forward. And then the third thing I believe the Lord's saying to us, we gotta believe again, we gotta dream again. We got to expect again. And the Bible says that God, Adam and Eve had a son, another son, and they called him Seth because that word means constellation. It means payback. Do you know whatever the devil's stolen? God says, it will be paid back. You know, what can we expect right now? You say, well, the world's falling out. This is the last days. Well, maybe it is. Well then, praise God, we should have joy in our face because we're ready to slap it, be for boogie and go to heaven. Praise God, I'm ready, are you? If you're not, you can be today. But, but the other thing is, if Jesus doesn't come back for 10, 15, 20 years, we can still expect. You say, what can I expect? Well, you can expect that the gospel is gonna be preached in all the world with credible evidence. That's what the Bible says in Matthew. Hallelujah. You can believe that in Joel 22, that the Spirit of the Lord is gonna be poured out and, and, and it's gonna fall on all flesh, on our sons and our daughters. Our old men are gonna dream dreams. Young men are gonna see visions, hallelujah. You can believe that, that there's gonna be a great outpouring. God said, the knowledge of the, 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 knowledge of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Wow, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for that to happen. Praise God. I can't wait for that to happen. I can't wait for that to come. Praise God, my phone just went off. Hallelujah, happy day. How fitting, happy day. Um, happy day, praise God. But I can't wait till the Spirit's outpoured. Another thing we can look forward to is God says in Joel chapter three, in the last days, he'll come and restore. That was the cake or the locust where the palmer has eaten away. And so we can believe God and we can expect, hallelujah. It's time to get our faith up. It's time to get our expectors up. It's time to stop mourning and start dreaming again, hallelujah. I believe this is a word to God right now. Now I wanna say this to you. I'm gonna to go to Ezekiel 37 in a second, but I wanna say this could be one of the greatest opportunities right now for you to call up your backslidden friends, those that have been hurt, wounded, marred, scarred, and have left the church they backslidden, they've got, if they know anything about eschatology, they must have some funny feelings in their spirit right now. As they begin to see world, uh, the world start to move and shift towards what God said it's gonna to shift towards, one world government. But listen to me right now, God's still on his throne and that spirit's still speaking to your family, your friends. I wanna challenge you, this could be the time right now to call up your neighbors, your friends, those that you know are backslidden and reach them for Jesus Christ. The second vision I had while I was on the road, open vision, and, and I'm just gonna wind up with this, is that I was on the road and I saw the nation of Canada with bones all across Canada from shore to shore. And I knew from Ezekiel 37, I knew very well that that uh, in 37, Ezekiel 37, God said to the prophet, these bones are the house of Israel. So I said, if there's bones laying all over Canada, God, what is that? And God said to me distinctively, he said this, he said, these are the bones of the backslidden. These are the bones that, of those who got brokenhearted. They got wounded while they're in church. They didn't like the administration, so they went away and they said they'd find another church, but they never found one. They thought they knew more than the pastor. They thought they knew more than God. They had an attitude. They went away, they wandered away, and they turned their back on God through whatever reason. And then he said, uh, these are also 
the bones of those that have been scattered through COVID. Wow. And God said to me, he said, I want you to pray over each town, each village, each city that you go to. And I've been to 32 churches in the last uh, nine weeks. And I believe that I've done and have been faithful to God. But he said, I want you to pray. I want you to pray over those dead, dry bones. Folks, did you hear me when I said this could be the greatest opportunity to, to reach out to your family, your friends that are backslidden? I want to pray for those backslidden people right now. And I want to call those bones back into the house of God. Now, I know you can't come back literally like right now, but let's not be so uh, distracted that we forgot about the house of God, that we forgot about the things of God. We are alive on the inside and we can't wait till the house gets back together. Hallelujah. I was glad when they said unto me, you know, maybe you're enjoying uh, this video service right now, but can I tell you right now, you need to be back in the house of the Lord. As soon as uh, opportunity comes, the house needs to be open and you need to be there because you need to be in the presence of God and uh, you need to rub shoulders with each other. The Bible says every joint supplies one another. Would you uh, just agree with me right now as I pray a prayer over the backslidden, the broken heart of the wounded that have been scattered across Canada? I believe this is what God wants me to do today. Father, in Jesus' name right now, I pray for the nation of Canada. I thank you, Lord God, that you still love our country and that you want to have dominion over this nation from sea to sea. And so, Lord, as you've told me to, I right now prophesy to every dead, dry bone across the nation of Canada from Victoria Island to Prince Edward Island, Lord God, from the most southern tip of Ontario, right up to the North Pole. I call every dead, dry bone that's been scattered across this nation. I call you to come alive. Shall these bones live again? Oh, yes these bones shall live again. I command every bone to come alive. I call forth the backslidden from every province, every territory. I call the backslidden back from Montreal area, those that once walked with God but are backslidden. I call them back in the house of good. I command those bones to look alive and to come alive. And I know there's hope for dead, dry bones because a dead man in a tomb named Lazarus heard the words of God when he was dead and he came alive. So I call forth those dead, dry bones across this nation right now and I command the foot bone to be connected to the head uh, to, to the, uh, leg bone and I command the leg bone to be connected to the hip bone and I father in Jesus name bring back the backslider bring back the broken heart bring back those that have been wounded those bring back those that have been stubborn and proud and wanted to have their own way in the house of the Lord humble humble them Lord God bring back those who have been scattered through COVID Lord God and have wandered away Lord God bring them back into the house of God, into the body of Christ. Bring them back to a place of believing and dreaming and expecting again, Lord God. I call back those dead, dry bones around the Montreal area in Jesus' name. I call back those dead, dry bones and I command the spine bone to be connected to the shoulder bone, the shoulder bone to be connected to the head, which is Jesus Christ. And I call back the body of Christ back into the house right now. And I speak the blessings of God and I command you dead dry bones to come alive and be connected now I see sinews and fibers and organs coming back together I see skin growing on those bones in Jesus name and right now I call you back 
together into the body of Christ. Uh, hallelujah. So that every joint can supply one another. I call you back in the house of God, not just so that we can have uh, pot blessings, uh, meals, or we can play bingo or something. I call you back in the house of God so that you can supply one another's needs and we can become the glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And as, I, as, as Ezekiel said, and I looked and I saw a great and mighty army, hallelujah. I see our army of God rising up in Ascension Church. I see the glory of God falling upon the body of believers, hallelujah. And I thank you, Lord God, that you're bringing them back, bring them back, bring them back, bring them back in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you that your house is filled with the glory of God, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you so much, praise God. Well. I preach what God wants me to preach. I want to remind you now, this is perhaps one of the greatest times for you to begin your ministry on the phone, to begin your ministry on Messenger or on Facebook and start reaching out to those, especially who are backslidden. And you say, well, what? They'll get mad at me. Well, maybe one will, but some of them might reach out and have a very good conversation with you. I believe it's time for the backslider, the broken heart, the wounded, the marred, the scarred, and those that have been displaced, especially through COVID, that were in your church and nobody knows where they are right now. It's time for them to come back and get reconnected, praise God. So the year didn't go exactly the way we thought it would. Try again. So you might've had the breath knocked out of you. Get your breath back and let's make this next couple months glorious months. Let's go into 2022 with the glory of God upon us. Thank you so much, Ascension Church. We love you. God bless you. I, I, I hope to see you face to face real soon. Thanks for your support and missions. Amen.